Welcome to the Sounds of the World. We are your hosts, Hillary and Bill. Together, we're going to travel around the world to discover new music, discuss musical topics, and interview fascinating people. Our world is a buffet of music, and it is time to eat. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Sounds of the World podcast. Uh, Today, we have a very special guest on our show. Um, Hailed as one of the most powerful and beautiful baritone voices by the side balcony, Uh, This American baritone is making waves in the operatic main stage. She's made her role as as Wotan in Die Valkyrie with Theater Magdeburg uh, and the lead role of Don Giovanni in Don Giovanni at the Tulsa Opera. Um, She possesses a voice that can rattle the rafters with its power without ever sacrificing subtlety of expression. Um, So please welcome to the Sounds of the World podcast, Lucia Lucas. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being on. Again, it's a it's a big privilege to meet you and an honor to to talk to you. Yeah, thank you again. Um so yeah, maybe you could just start us off by talking about how you got into music and and how you really kind of discovered your love for opera. Sure. Uh my my love for music has been forever. Um I started playing instruments in like fourth grade or something like that but um it wasn't actually until i was already in college that i started doing opera um i was actually in college for a french horn major and um i had some friends from high school who were in the opera and i i saw the opera director and i said hey you know i've got some friends in opera and i'm kind of curious about it i'd uh love to see what that's about you know i'd love to do some and he's like uh okay well um i I don't really have time right now and he left and then um i saw him again a couple weeks later i mean i saw him often um in the uh in the music department because you know i was doing a major there and right um then i saw him another like about two weeks later i was like hey i you know i'd really love to be in the opera he's like oh fine i have five minutes and we went up to the studio. <laughs> we went up to a studio and i i sang hardly at all and he said uh would you uh wh- what would you think of doing private lessons and i had already been doing private lessons for french horn at the college so actually i ended up having two teachers one for voice and one for french horn and just sort of did those degrees parallel but um, when I got to the end of my undergrad and I was looking at grad school, it was just kind of clear that um, voice was the way to go. Um, I love French horn. It's really fun. And um, when, I, when I first got into to playing French horn, um, I loved movie soundtracks and I loved the, the soaring horns in there and the really dramatic... Yeah, you know, epic, uh, <laughs> epic things. You know, of course, of course, Star Wars, and then also lots of other things um, coming out of the late '90s. Blockbuster movies all had really orchestral soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, Batman Forever. That was it. Oh. That was a really big one. Oh yeah, that's a great that soundtrack. Was, that's a that's a really good soundtrack. 
all, all the Batman movies and all oh, the Batman yeah. series have had great soundtracks, but that one was really weird and like it didn't feel so much like movie music. It felt like um, I don't know. It felt like I guess it was kind of like opera because it was sort of scripted to it more so than the other ones. Yeah. Anyway, I I I, I fell in love with with orchestral music basically through film. So you know I. I fell in Wagner, fell in love with Wagner music way before I ever started singing it. Just sort of the epicness of it, and you know, I mean, cartoons used uh, <laughs> that sort of dramatic music too for a long time. So, oh, yeah, um, yeah I, I guess my my love for music has always been there. Um, and when I was growing up as a kid, I I didn't feel like I could express myself the way that I wanted to. Um, I don't know if it was because, you know, I, I felt like there were sort of walls up where I wasn't allowed to explore these certain things or, or whatever, but through instrumental music, I felt like there was no real barrier there. And then eventually, um, I, I think it's doing opera that, that led me to be able to communicate better. Mm. Um, and also, you know, just the older I've gotten, the less I've cared what people think. So that also... <laughs> You know, I, the, less self-censorship, you know, um, mm -hmm. as as I've gotten older, you know, until I came out. And then I was just like, well, I really don't care what anybody else thinks. So. <laughs> yeah. But my, my love for opera, I guess, was kind of kind of accidental. But my love for music has always been there. And um, I do love opera. I love telling stories. And I love I love looking for sort of the dramatic core of any moment in music but especially in opera because it's all these weird hyper realistic situations you know sometimes time slows down sometimes time speeds up it's um but the whole storytelling aspect of it is what i fell in love with and even if i go back to instrumental stuff there has to still be that story there even if it's not you know in word form yeah yeah absolutely yeah, I always feel like the pieces that speak to me the most are the ones that definitely have a story rather than, you know, the programmatic music rather than just music to be music, you know? Yeah. I I mean, of course, there's 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 great music um, that that is meant to be. Mm, I don't want to say ambient, but but sort of mood setting instead of story driven. Mm -hmm. And I do love that. Um, I've done some, some theater, um, like um, uh, performance art based theater, and you always have to have music for that. But um, the music is sort of mood setting, you know? Yeah. I, you know, just kind of doing some background and things. I, I feel like you're a total different animal in the way of the opera world and the fact that you are also you author things and you do those kinds of uh um what is it those live kind of art performances rather than just mainly on the opera stage yeah i mean i love i love opera you know i love doing opera i just made my met debut which is really big for any opera singer and i'm really happy about that <laughs> yeah um, bravo bravo Thank you so much. And that's really exciting. Um, but, you know, that, you know, that's performing for over 4,000 people. 
but I've also performed in small theaters where there were, you know, max seating of 50 people. And then sometimes there was less than 10 people, you know, and those and having that variety of experiences, I think is really important because, um, you know, when you can stare the audience in the eyes and they're, you know, less than five feet away from you, your acting better be really good. like that's those are those are the moments those are the moments where you really get to um learn parts of your craft um especially like like opera um most of the opera singers that i know don't go through that much uh acting training it's not the same as you know straight theater or film or even musical theater, I think there's probably more of an emphasis on acting in there. Um, so I feel like when I do these projects outside of the the mainstream opera, um, I get to pick up these skills. And I've been fortunate enough to, you know, dip my dip my feet into movies or into um, into voiceover or these other projects and it makes me better Mm -hmm. and um that's one thing that i really encourage um younger artists who who want more opportunities like make your own opportunities make your own art and and it will help you even if you're trying to be you know a mainstream opera singer it's going to help you to you know create your own short film or, you know, even if it's an opera film or something like that, that's something that I did at the be- beginning of the pandemic. Um, I did with my wife when everything was closed because um, the whole world shut down for at least six weeks. Yeah. Um, and we just went out into the forest and, and shot a movie. That's cool. And, and, and that, you know, that really helped us. And we use those skills on a regular basis, even in our, our normal work if we need to do self-taping or something like that, we know much better how our equipment works now. Yeah. Yeah. I... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, just something about you saying like, yeah, when you're five feet away from somebody, like you're acting better, be dead on. Um, I studied voice in college as well, but I think um, I never quite had to sing in those intimate, intimate settings other than like master classes and, you know, where you're singing with your, all the other voice students, but I remember thinking like any time that I had to perform, thank God I'm on stage and everybody's at least fifty feet away and the lights are so bright I can't see any faces. <laughs> so. Yeah, I've performed like uh in basements of, of queer clubs where people could just touch me. Like they're <laughs> they're right there at the edge of the stage. They can just touch me, you know, and um and singing and sort of the weird juxtaposition of um, singing this art form that can be done for 4,000 people, but doing it for like 10 or 15 in a small space. It, it, it's, a, it's a fun mashup of, of media. That's gotta oh, be yeah. so real, especially like such. I mean, like opera is like the epitome of how loud and booming and beautiful can we make the human voice, so it can reach all these people that paid for these seats and to to mash that into like set a small club. Like, oh, my brain can't even. <laughs> like one of my one of my favorite moments of of theater um, that I've done 
definitely of like not mainstream theater was I got to perform at Royal Vauxhall Tavern. I think it was summer of uh, 2016. This is in London. Mm-hmm. And um, they have a lot of, of queer events. They have like almost one every night. And um, there was one I was doing Wagner there. And I was like walking through the audience singing full voice Wagner. Which is no small feat. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that too. But but like nobody <laughs> nobody experiences it like that. Like maybe my colleagues when we're on stage together, you know, we get to experience Wagner up close and see how much somebody's breathing and how much the entire body is moving yeah. to make these sounds. Um, but you know, the audience, they don't typically get to see that. It usually looks like somebody standing still. But I can assure you if somebody's singing, you know, Verdi or Wagner or whatever, their entire body is involved in, in making that that sound. Yeah, just for any listeners that, you know, maybe haven't heard um a Wagner opera, it's it's an incredibly physical sport and the the singers that do partake in this, it's it's head to toe mastery to produce that sound so it's it's not just um like my mind goes to like bugs bunny and they're like being goofy and it's like seen in a little fun airy light way it's like a Wagner Wagner is a lot (laughs) yeah there's the what is the the meme where the duck is like throws throws the neck back and then goes forward and then like uh, a bean comes out or whatever (laughs) that's the closest thing that i can say is to wagner you know because you're really like gathering all of this energy and then you're throwing it forward yeah i'm not a singer so i i i'm always impressed by singers plain and simple so uh, they always impress me (laughs) i mean any any anybody can sing but um but but i think i i think that especially this the big dramatic repertoire it feels also like a sport um in in the moment during a performance you know maybe if you're rehearsing at home it doesn't quite feel like that but really once adrenaline starts going and you start breathing (laughs) it's wild it's like um it's like uh diving uh without a without an air tank or something like that Mm -hmm. like you really you really take in that much air you know, when you're doing breathing exercises and then you go underwater for, you know, a minute or something like that. It's the same breathing, really, wow. um, when you're singing, when you're singing opera. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> my voice lessons, my teacher, she's like trying to get me, you know, and I'm learning proper core engagement. She's like, imagine you're holding, you're standing in like a waist level water. And you're trying to shove the largest beach ball you can find into the water. Like that's your core strength. And I remember like, up until that moment, it had never quite clicked. Like, oh my God, like this is taking so much more muscle than I've been allotting for it. Like I've been pulling from all the wrong places, but that like imagery was just like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. <laughs> like I had no idea it was this physical. And Yeah. One of my favorite visualizations is if you imagine one of those, like not even a vase, but like one of those giant um, ceramic pots like outside that weighs, I don't know, 50 pounds, 100 pounds, something like that. But if you drop it, it would still break, right? Right. So that's one of the things that I talk about when I'm when I'm coaching people is that you have to have this sort of um, 
tension in your body that would allow you to hold the vase, but then you also have to set it down gently so it doesn't break. Wow. Ooh, I so, that. so I mean, I don't like saying tension, um, but in German they say Spannung, and it always um, it, it's it's different than tension because it's like good tension also. Yeah. I love it. Um, because in, in singing, tension is not what you want. But this sort of um, engagement of your entire body, you know, because you can imagine having this big vase. But if you let go of it, it's going to break. Right. So you have to, like, set it down really gently. So you have to have this control, but also all of this engagement at the same time. Wow. Yeah. I So I have to ask... Um, what was it like singing Don Giovanni? It's one of my favorite operas, so I was just, you know, just bamboozled. <laughs> it's it's really fun. You know, I'm preparing right now to go off and sing another one. Um, oh, cool. My, my Canadian debut uh, in about a month or so um, in Victoria. Oh, cool. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going through it constantly, uh, just like, I don't know, maybe four hours a day wow. probably right now um we start rehearsals in about what yeah in about a week in about a week we start rehearsals um and i'll go back to it um i really love giovanni because giovanni is a mozart opera and there's a lot of them and mozart is really about uh like beautiful singing and you have to have perfect technique um, but I feel like, I feel like Giovanni, if Mozart is like, uh, a fine, uh, ceramic shop, the character of Giovanni is a bull and just like <sighs> reckless. And I, I just, I just love that because when I get into that character, um, like you have to kind of stand a couple arms widths from me because <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. I just get really aggressive in that character and it's really fun because the character is, is over the top and almost not part of the Mozart world. Like the Mozart world to me feels very, very curated and delicate mm -hmm. and Giovanni is, is not that at all. I mean, if you could go on one side and you could say Giovanni's evil, which I don't really agree with that, but you can go on the other side and say that, that Giovanni is a libertine and just sort of doesn't care um, about what other people think or the consequences of his actions or anything like that. And um, carefree, I guess, would be the nicest way to put it. Um, <laughs> but but I, I really love playing giovanni i really i really love playing villains they're kind of fun because you can just jump into it and you go this isn't me this isn't something i would do in my normal life but it can be um you know you can just sort of blow off steam being a villain for a little bit yeah heck yeah i think like just the amount of expression that like you said you don't get to do these things in your daily life um you have a little more care and attention to those around you, but just being able to like explore that mindset and explore what it's like to be this reckless, careless, evil, quote unquote, you know, liberated soul. Like, I don't know. This sounds like so much fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the, 
there's so there's this this peasant girl Serlina, and um the dawn is a dawn um so the dawn has multiple relationships with with other characters of his status but he also goes after anybody really but there's a moment where he goes after this peasant girl and you know if you give him the benefit of the doubt it's just like he's really impulsive and he's like no i i want to be with you i want to be with you in like a serious way no i want to marry you right now there's my castle let's go and yeah that's probably not exactly what it is but you know you could just take him as like super impulsive if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt mm -hmm. but like giovanni is like totally in it in that moment and um i don't know it's it's fun that character is is it doesn't he, he doesn't belong in that world and i think that's what's so fun about it for me yeah and it and at the end just like on a on a personal note at the end the the um the commendatory or the ghost of the spoiler alert <laughs> already but spoiler alert. so commendatory comes back at the end and says um repent and um giovanni says no so giovanni says by by eternal threat you know a threat of eternal damnation or whatever um repent and then everything's gonna be fine or whatever and giovanni says no so to be able to stand in the face of death and say no i'm gonna do me yeah i think that's i think that's really powerful so for me i mean if you ever go see me do that that's what i'm doing at that moment you know like hey i'm doing this you you can you can damn me for for eternity but this is what i'm doing so yeah and i mean i'd hate to i hate to put to maybe put words in mouths or anything but like i, I feel like this would be a um especially as a closing scene um something that you're really drawn to as you are having to stand up and say no this is who i am this is I am a transgender person and um, I have to, this, I am with terms with this and come hell or high water, you know, you, this is who I am. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what coming out is about really. Um, it's about, um, you know, the, the trajectory of your life and the trajectory of your life that could be, you know, yeah. and you reach a point and you go, you know what? I got to be me. I got to be me because being me uh, is better than not being me, basically. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't talk about that so much because audience members, they can come and they can but it's another light like i think there's a lot of interesting things going on and maybe if you look at mozart and you look at mozart as giovanni like maybe mozart didn't feel like he was fitting in so much mm -hmm. to his surroundings um because he had a he had a he had a wild life really. yeah um but you know it, 
the the thing is is everybody can everybody can make their art the way that they want to make it and if they're convinced in the way that they're portraying something and it's it's genuine to them then um that's enough the audience doesn't have to know every little single little thing that you're thinking for every single moment but they'll know if you mean it or not mm-hmm. and so i always try and mean it even if the thing that i'm thinking is something from my life that i'm drawing a parallel on and sometimes that's sometimes that's your best solution actually when acting is is to to think about a moment um where you felt this and that's like i said i I think that opera is about distilling this moment you know this moment of happiness this moment of being scared this moment of anything figure out what that moment is figure out what the most honest um way to convey that moment is because like we have to suspend our belief in opera all the time um so if you can find the most truth in it that's that's where i find the most fulfilling art where i think i've done my best yeah well just to hear your perspective because i've loosely studied don giovanni and only like think from the perspective of people that have you know portrayed him as black or white like oh he's like all damnation you know like totally evil or he likes to get that like a little more like oh misguided but i love just the depth i don't know listening to hear like hear you interpret that character and just the depth that you provide for my life it's just such damn good artistry (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i i have ideas um but the thing is is every single time that i go into to play giovanni if i'm singing it i'm probably not directing it Mm -hmm. um there's very few people who direct the shows that they sing in Mm -hmm. um that's that's really hard to do in the first place anyway um but i definitely haven't had that experience so every single time i go into a room i sort of have to say what is your vision how can i best accomplish your vision like that's my job so it's kind of funny because this was actually uh the first time that i did um a solo role um was in in giovanni was in 2005 and i was a young artist but i was doing mazzetto um which is the peasant um the the husband of serlina and uh the director for whatever reason, I don't know, I don't know why they showed up, but they showed up like two or three days late. And so during those two or three days, the cast sat in a round table and just talked about their characters. Mm-hmm. And it, we were like, oh, yeah, okay, I really understand how this is. And then the director showed up and the director was like, no, you're all wrong. shit. <laughs> and that's, you know, now I know um, that was fine that was their that was their choice you know um but in the last whatever that was 17 years you know i've learned that the director says what we're doing Mm -hmm. and the director will let you know if they want your input and so verbal input you don't always get so much but of course you always get to do something you can have your own ideas in your head and hopefully they line up with with the director um 
but it's not it's not my job to bring that specific interpretation you know and if the director's like no that's all wrong then it's all wrong and there's there's a couple different choice moments in giovanni where you have to decide um there are things that are maybe implied in the score but they're not specifically set out so you have to decide how you're going to treat those Mm -hmm. you know um and one of the overall things is like how evil is giovanni why is giovanni like this and yeah how far are you going to push these moments so um yeah i i have i've done maybe 10 different productions of giovanni um but different roles so i've done mazzetto i've done leporello i've done giovanni i've done commendatore and then i've done um other productions where i was like covering one of the one of those roles and then singing in the chorus like when i was first starting getting going so i've seen so many productions of this and been involved in so many productions of this that um i think if i had only done one show before then i go to the second show and i'm like well you know we kind of did it like this so why can't we just do it like this but once you've done about 10 different things you just sort of understand the range of each situation and the choices that can be made and how they're not there's not one trajectory of the story sorry that's a really complicated answer for something no. that shouldn't have been but <laughs> i love it i love it but but that's the thing is i i try and stay open but i do want to know a lot of things about these characters and when um when a director says oh yeah i kind of want to do this then i want to think like oh yeah it's because of this line that is in the recitative okay Mm. so we're bringing we're elevating this line of the recitative this this line is very important and then this line also means that three scenes later that this line also needs to be raised up and be Mm. important but that that comes with you know knowing the opera really really well you know knowing four different parts in an opera that has what seven eight like knowing at least half of the parts like i can just sing them uh probably about memorized so like knowing so knowing that you know especially like going through recits like i know exactly what's happening on all of these things because over the last you know 17 or 20 years i have studied this opera um from different points and i've just sort of had to do you know word for word translations of everything over a very long span of of time which has led me to know the opera really well yeah yeah if it's my first take at an opera you know i don't have quite the 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 nuanced idea and it's really great to read all sorts of um all sorts of backstories and like where where does where does this art come from you know even in the case of giovanni where it's like mozart's giovanni is pulling from multiple sources but you know knowing that stuff is great but if you want to do a good job performing the opera the more you can do that opera the actual opera the the better off you are yeah so what was your first role as um like portraying a a quintessential or historically like male role um as a transgender person Oh, I don't remember which one it was, actually. Okay. <laughs> um, well, well the, the reason, 
but that's but that's good because yeah. um what happened is i came out and then the next week i had like four four different roles because i was a salaried employee at a theater so in okay. in, in germany it's actually possible to be um, to live in one city and to perform a whole bunch of different operas during a season. Wow. And so that's what I was doing. So you get a, a salaried paycheck. So you just get a normal paycheck like every month as if you were a normal employee instead of freelancing, which is almost the only way to do it in most of the world. It's just the German speaking region that have these, they're called fest contracts, but it's basically you're a salaried employee of the German government and you sing in a theater that's what you wow do. that's so and cool they, and, and they give you six weeks of that. vacation and you know it's with benefits and da, 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 all that stuff so i did that <sighs> i did that for a long time um and i came out while i was doing that and so i had already had all these roles that i had to do and unless i was going to cancel them um and if i if i came out and then i canceled the next week or two of shows that would have looked pretty bad yeah so um, my goal was to keep singing. So I just said, you know what? I'm not going to think about the psychological implications of doing these masculine roles on stage. I'm just going to do it, like rip the bandaid off and then think about it afterwards. Mm -hmm. Go, mm -hmm. okay, did that bother me? Not will this bother me? Because if I think will this bother me, then I'm not just not even going to do the shows at all. Right. So that's what I did. And, you know, I, at the time, nobody, nobody had come out in opera, um, at least on the performance side. Um, I think there were some people in the orchestra, maybe there were some administrators, but like there was nobody on stage. So there was no real blueprint for it. So I said, well, what is my optimal way to do this? And the optimal way was to say, there's a very small thing changing about me personally, but it will not affect my voice. It will not affect my work. I can do all the same things that I've always done. Yeah. And how was, um, like, what was, how was reactions to these kinds of things? Like, I, I, I mean, I know, like, um, you know, some people were pretty shocked and some people were very supportive and, you know, so. Well, um, I think overall, like looking back, it was polarizing. Mm, okay. So, um, I think that there are some people who probably, well, I know that there are some people who, who, when I came out, they definitely supported me less. Um, but I think since I've come out, like there, people have really been nice, you know, and one thing that I would offer up to artists who are, considering whether to come out or whether to be more honest about their personal life um, generally as artists or to, to like try and close that off is that when you first get into opera um, and I'm guessing when you first get into a lot of arts it's helpful to not be too out there but the thing is, is as an artist the reason people um care about you and want you to stick around is because of your individualism who are mm -hmm. you and the more honest you are um the more people are going to like you if they would like you mm -hmm. but 
if you disguise yourself, if you try to be what you think people like, um, the people who like you for that don't like you for you. And the people who would have liked you, they don't know to like you because they don't know who you are. Mm. So the best feeling is when you are just unapologetically you, you make the art that you like, and then people like you, then you know that they like you for you. And there's, there's no replacing that feeling. I love it. Oh, sorry, that's so like, powerful and inspirational. And I think, um, especially what you're saying, just like, there's like, when you're not being your true self, like, subtly you're communicating that like i'm not comfortable in my body i'm not comfortable in my skin and people pick up on that and like i said and then if they do like you it's all for the wrong reasons and oh sorry just yeah and 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 let me be clear like it doesn't have to do just with being trans it doesn't have to do with just being lgbt yeah like the more honest you are about your life or your background or whatever there there are people who will appreciate that whatever your life experience is you know whether they whether they uh totally identify with you whether they've gone through those experiences or not um they they can appreciate you for you no 100 percent. and i think another thing that like i feel like it gives the more authentic you are the more you give someone permission to be authentically themselves and it's just so empowering to see I don't know, your story in particular, just how authentic and fucking powerful, pardon my French, <laughs> just powerful you are on stage and as an artist is like just the authenticity, like just, I don't know, it's like I can just feel it emanating through you as you talk and I know that that comes through on the stage and I don't know. There's, there's no substitution for it, no. really. Yeah. <laughs> I've had, I've had friends that, that, um, that came out to me and I said, have you done a show yet? since you came out mm. i said no i said be careful because you're gonna have a lot of energy the first time on stage <laughs> <laughs> like don't don't go don't 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 gas it too much because uh it's dangerous <laughs> that emotional hangover the next day you're like what did i do <laughs> well i mean it's 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 exciting like it's exciting especially like as a stage performer like there people are so judgy all the time and like that's part of the business is you get critiques and then you have to take those critiques and you have to implement them into your website and your business plan and everything and like um you know there's a there's a lot of if you're doing the business right you know you 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 probably you either should be reading all the critiques or somebody should be reading the critiques so that you can use them if they're good but the thing is is they're not always good right and and you know it can hurt <laughs> so you know um yeah it's weird like the best the, the the way to make the best art is to be super vulnerable but when you're super vulnerable you know that can take out a lot of energy from you pretty beat up from it <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you're putting yourself out there and then you get people who you know i had i was sitting in the audience once after a performance of one of my pieces and this guy came in late and asked 
you know, his friend, oh, what did I miss? What was the first piece like? And they said, oh, you didn't miss much. And I was just oh, like, thanks. oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's rough. Yeah, but I mean, one random person's opinion exactly. is just one random person's opinion. What do they know? Yeah. You know? Oh. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I when when I first came out, there was uh, there was a review I got, and uh, I I mean it was a long time ago, but the review was like a little too mean mm. to the point where you were like, "Is it really about this concert?" <laughs> <laughs> it was, and it was right after I came out, and I kept that. Um, on my desk for about three years wow and just sort of to give me fuel because i don't know maybe maybe i'm weird in that in that way but um when somebody says you can't do something i go watch me (laughs) i love it so so i don't know that that gave me fuel for a while after a while i was like okay i can just put this in the memorabilia uh, (laughs) section with old programs and whatever um yeah but like you know it can be rough and like in order to be able to emote like you can't have such a thick skin either so it's there's not really a way to protect against that you know you just have to uh you just have to trust if you don't keep getting the same comment and you get these weird oddball comments that that's all they are Mm -hmm. is there is there one person's opinion you know yeah and and at, for the singing aspect, like, I still coach all the time. I still take lessons. I still record almost everything that I sing that I'm allowed to record. Mm-hmm. So any sort of coachings, any sort of lessons, I'm always recording this stuff. And so hopefully the goal is, is that if I'm going the wrong direction with my voice, I will notice way before any audience member. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is crazy. I mean, just to think like the amount of critique, like by the time somebody gets to critique you, you've put hundreds of hours into critiquing yourself and, and fine tuning and, you know, just bringing that all together. So it's, I don't know, that just clicked in my brain. I'm like, whoa, that is a lot. (laughs) On, on my website, I have, um, this, uh, how to learn a role and I wrote it uh in summer of 2015 or how to efficiently learn a role Mm -hmm. and the idea was if you're really tired or if you don't have time or whatever what is the quickest way that you can learn a role and be absolutely sure that you are ready because sometimes i have friends that just go to the coffee shop and they just sort of browse the role and you know sip their cappuccino or whatever and then they just sort of absorb it and that's great but that's not how it works for me at all (laughs) and so I, for every moment that I do in an opera, um, I have probably repeated that 75 times. So 25 times with text, 25 times with text and rhythm, and then 25 times with music. Usually that's before the first rehearsal. So if you're looking at an opera, there's a good chance that for every single time that you hear it, I've probably done it 100 times. Yeah. So for every minute that is in the opera, you know, I've spent a hundred minutes on that minute. 
Jesus. at least ah, blows my mind and i think a lot of times like you know, i just i don't know i'm speaking for the layman but you just look at those roles and you think like oh yeah like i hear they only do like a couple rehearsals before the show or like and maybe that's like full stage but i think just the the amount of studying and knowledge and depth that you have put into that role i absolutely believe that it's 100 minutes per minute yeah i mean the thing is if you only get two rehearsals which i have had that experience when you only get those two rehearsals and you never get to sing with the core until you're on the stage and you never get to sing with the orchestra until you're on the stage during the performance with the audience like that is a nerve-wracking thing my stomach's like (laughs) yeah but the the thing is you have to do you usually like that's not an accident that that happens you know that it's coming you know that you're going to have no rehearsal you know that you're going to show up and there's going to be two days of rehearsal and then you do the show. Um, and that's not a normal, that's not a normal thing. A normal thing is probably like two or three weeks of rehearsal. Um, like it in, in, in the U S probably two or three weeks of rehearsal and then you do the show. And that's what, uh, the Giovanni is, you know, we've got about, about two or three weeks and then we do the show. Um, in germany i've had as many as like eight weeks or maybe even more and then you do the show um but those are usually when you're when you're building a new show Um, okay and i've had it in germany where there was two days of rehearsal because everybody knows the show i mean maybe you don't know the show but like everybody (laughs) else knows the show so you're showing up to a show that's already built and usually you get a dvd and um and you study that and then you show up and you should already know how to do your part. And then you just do what was already built. So you're not creating art there. You're jumping into uh, art that is already created. So that's also a special skill, you know, to watch basically an audience perspective and go, okay, there's my character. What do I do? What do I do? Okay, I go here. Now I take this glass and I put it on this table. Okay, now I take this note and I bring it over here. And just sort of tracking all the props and uh, where you need to do what. Um, when so I just I just did my my Met debut, and this was for a production that was already built. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I bought um, a Met um, direct video subscription so that I could see the staging. Wow. So when I showed up to the first day, it wasn't it wasn't like oh where do I go. It was like, okay, well, instead of grabbing the glass from here, can I grab it from this other side? Mm -hmm. You know, so we're having much more nuanced conversations as if I've already done it before. Or which chair do I put the the clothes on? Should I put on this one or this one? You know, because in the video I saw this, but we don't have the same layout. It's like, oh, okay, no, 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 do that one. And then like, oh, be careful that the key doesn't fall out of the door. And that's not something that I would have known you know from the video so like we're it's it's just a skill set it's just knowing what it is it's knowing what to look for but the actual uh singing and acting and whatever that already has to be built basically in your head before you even show up for the first day wow that's giving me palpitations just thinking about it (laughs) (laughs) it's a skill it's a skill though you know um there there are things that are sort of talent based um but but that's a skill learning yeah. a role is a skill yeah. and and preparing for even these short short term rehearsals that's a skill yeah incredible yeah totally incredible 
Do you have a favorite role that you like to do or a favorite role you'd love to do? Um, well, I do love Giovanni. I do love Giovanni and I'm really happy to be doing it again. Um, usually the, the answer is whatever one I'm working on. Um, <laughs> but right now I'm actually working on four different roles oh, at wow. the same time. I just happen to be doing Giovanni next. Um, and then I'm doing two different string quartet operas, um, one after another. And then um, I, well, uh, probably uh, will be doing my first Hollander, Flying Dutchman. Oh, and cool. I've been wanting to do that for a really, really long time. Um, because when I did, when I did this uh, set of concerts in London, you know, like right in front of people, um, I was doing the, the Hollander aria that's like 12 minutes long. Wow. I was doing it sort of as a transition story. So as queer art. Um, so this will be my first time doing the entire role. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, but of course, I love Giovanni. And that one's coming up next. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, oh, man. I, I mean, I hear some of these roles and this, these singers sometimes and like wow, I wish I wish I could be a part of that or something. So uh, it's it's amazing. I'm very jealous you get to do these amazing pieces and of opera and and. You're... Well, I'm trying to be interdisciplinary as much as I can. You know, in the last in the last two years, I got to do a lot of stuff that probably, if the world was open, I wouldn't have done. Mm. You know, I did some German some German uh, Schauspiel, like straight theater in, in German. I did German voiceover stuff. That's on my website too. Uh, and then, you know, making movies with my wife when all the theaters were closed. Um, and yeah, I, I, I like opera is great. It is my primary medium, but I do love doing so much other stuff. And, and I can appreciate all forms of art and all forms of music, really. You sing art songs and theater? Yeah, um, I, had, I had a program. The last, the last concert that I did before the world shut down was uh, my leader, Abend, Lucia Lucas, Villain. Oh, I love it. Very cool. <laughs> and the entire program was arias and art songs um, about villains. And one of the centerpieces was um, Songs and Dances of Death. And that is, it's like four little mini operas, but it's art song. Hmm. And yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I do sing art song, but I, I sing so much opera. That really is more than half, more than 80% of my, of my career. I do love that you give so much depth to these you know these characters these you know these bad guys these evil guys so to speak you know that um it changes the way the audience can interpret who they are i you know because it's not just a single flat surface kind of a person like there's a lot of um minutiae in these people and i just i love that you can do that i like to draw influence from outside sources like um especially evil characters are so many great villains in independent cinema um like if you look at at you know 
Apple, Apple TV Plus, whatever the whatever their thing is, and Amazon Studios and and um, Netflix Studios, and then the studios that they they uh, support mm-hmm. and making like these smaller smaller form things that are made for smaller segments of the audience you know not making these blockbuster things there's a lot of really wonderful acting in there and just um drawing influence from there for characters and then for funny stuff like i love looking at memes and like <laughs> why is why is this funny you know and yeah. so like on the last the last um giovanni that i did I was like trying to like throw in little memes and stuff there. And I love the, I love the, the pet boop memes where like yeah. they, where you touch the nose and then like it, it says boop. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's this confrontation with Giovanni and Mazzetto. And so I was just getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And then I went boop and <laughs> tapped him on the nose. <laughs> and then it sort of like broke the moment. And so right. You know, I love looking for for stuff that also takes us out of opera. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of, it's not really breaking the fourth wall, but it's like breaking the fourth wall of opera. Yeah. 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 Like pulling people out of this suspension of disbelief for these more real moments, I guess. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, this has just been so wonderful and incredible to hear your story and just your attention to detail and your attention to these characters and I don't know I'm just like in awe listening to you chat about your artistry and just this nuance level that you bring to everything it's just been really really powerful to hear I heard a story about um performance anxiety and there was this, I think it was a soprano and, and probably one singing to the Met. And um, I think their, their therapist said, well, what do you do like the day of a show? And she's like, well, you know, I, I stay in my apartment, I really focus and then I take a cab and then I really, really focus. And, um, and the therapist said, well, why don't you walk through the park? Just notice everything. Like if there's a squirrel, see the squirrel, see the people, see the, see the birds, see the trees and the water and whatever. And, um, I don't, I don't know why I remember this story, but that's what cured her of, um, performance anxiety is just being open to things. And so I sort of took that as sort of a macro thing as like, if you stay relaxed and open and aware you will be able to draw on more things. And so I guess it's sort of an, instead of closing yourself off, instead of going, you know, this is how I want to do, this is how this character has to be. It's like looking for opportunities um, for detours, you know, trying trying to pick up uh, extra little details in the moment, you know, um, making puns in real life, just like listening to what people are saying and then making uh, puns off of it. That's one of my favorite things to do. That's one of my favorite activities with my wife is just to like go on little tangents off of tangents, you know, uh, just uh, like improv, yes and all the time. And and I think that just being aware of stuff uh, can just make your artistry better.
Yeah, definitely. I do that. And my wife gets mad at me, so. <laughs> but it means you're paying attention, you know? Yeah. Like, if, if you make a silly joke, but it's based on something she said, like, hey, you're paying attention. Yeah, that's true. I'll, I'll tell her that. <laughs> I mean, in the right moment, but yeah. <laughs> oh, well, uh, I know it's late there, and we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, so we should probably let you go to bed and um, my my pleasure really so thank you thank you so much it's been an honor and it's been such a pleasure to hear you your your story and you're such an inspiration for everybody so thank you so much oh thank you it's been just such an honor to meet you um, i'm so excited to just follow your career and see what amazing characters you come up with next <laughs> thank you yeah we'll, we'll we'll see what happens next <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Sounds of the World podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. There are links to everything in the episode description and also on our website. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sounds of the World. Show support for Sounds of the World podcast. Please join our Patreon where you can have access to our after-party discussions with guests, discounted merchandise, and even more. If you have any questions, answers, or episode suggestions, please email us at Sounds of the world podcast at gmail.com. Well, Bill, I think I'm going to go have a beer now. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs>